Hey bosses, this week's sponsor is FreshBooks, the easy-to-use cloud accounting software. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section. Welcome to the invest like a boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 69 of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Here's Sam Marks. Hey Johnny. Hey guys. Hey, back-to-back episodes in Bangkok. Who else better than... The Art of FX Boys, Brian and Tang. Yeah, I'm really glad you had them on because last week, it was a great episode. I'm glad you guys had fun in the limo. But I kept thinking, man, these guys are <laughs> in the limo. Get them to – I want to update. I want to hear what's going on with them. Yeah, they were surprisingly quiet, being good students in the back, taking something and uh, you know, taking it all in from the, the episode on municipal bonds with Michael Foster. Uh, but yeah, of course, always would like to hear more from them. They're great guys, super smart, and um, and I would say one of the one of the founding reasons that we started the podcast. Yeah, if anything, that's actually a good play on their part, where they can make a bunch of money while they're young with forex, and then when they get when they get older and they want something more stable, they can get to mini bonds. Yeah, absolutely, and that's I know that's part of the strategy from talking to Brian over the last week, and you know their forex trading. It's no joke. Like the amount of time and hours that they're putting into this stuff, not every week, just like every single day they're going to work. Uh, it's it's insane. Like we know Brian, he sleeps like three, four, five hours a day. He's one of those weird people that can operate on four hours of sleep day in, day out with a heavy workload. So more power to him. They're going after it now. They're trying to put themselves ahead and yeah, they can get into the boring stuff later. Well, the last time we had him on was episode three, which was a long time ago and that was really exciting we were both in bangkok at brian's penthouse brian tang's penthouse drinking a bottle of johnny walker platinum Mm -hmm. now uh you are hanging out in bangkok i'm in ukraine drinking water and coffee and (laughs) (laughs) this time hopefully it'll be uh we won't make any crazy trades after downing a bottle of, of liquor but we'll see Absolutely. Well, it was it was a lot of fun, and it was really fun to re-listen to episode three. I mean, that was that was our founding roots, and uh, and an exciting episode to to kick off the podcast and learn a lot in that. And I think that was a cool episode to introduce some of the alternative asset investments that are available to people like you and I today. And I think shortly after that episode, you invested in. Art of, in art of effects and, and forex uh, trading, so it was cool to see you jump in. You know, basically as as my co-host and also as somebody interested in new alternative styles of investing. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, a big part of me just wants to leave everything in index funds and kind of just play it safe. But the other part of me really enjoys these alternative investments that have kind of higher risk, high reward. So far this year, I'm already up ten percent on my account. And mm-hmm. last year I had an amazing year with them. So I'm very curious what they've been doing differently, uh, what their, their, their plans are and kind of just kind of hear more about how they actually make these crazy returns that are, you know, 20, 30% returns. Yeah, I agree totally. Well, we had on a few episodes back, Kirk Duplessis on option trading. We talked about how to go option trading full time. So I also want to kind of dig into, you know, what it takes to be one of them to be a full time not only forex trader, but they're also essentially a fund manager. So I'm very interested as as a, a business owner and entrepreneur what it's like to not only work the day to day operations, but also to manage a fund. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. So I think this episode is going to really appeal to people who want some kind of alternative investment that may have a, a much higher uh, possible reward ratio. That you know mm-hmm. that is higher than our the other kind of uh, safer traditional bets that we have. And also for people who are thinking, Hey, I have time, you know, why can't I invest in Forex full time, make enough money where I can travel, be location dependent like these bosses and, you know, maybe even manage other people's accounts in the future. So I'm excited for this episode. Let's take a listen and get with it with Brian and Tang. 
Hey bosses, if you're a freelancer or a small business owner, you need to check out FreshBooks cloud accounting software. I've used them personally and love how easy it was to set up both reoccurring expenses and invoices that automatically send out so you can get paid on time without wasting your time. So what does that actually mean? That means that if you're like me and you hate going in every single month to fill out spreadsheets or submit expenses and you just often forget about it and have to deal with a huge mess down the road, you can just do it once and have it all set up automatically. Even better, you can do the same for sending out invoices to get paid on time without even thinking about it. To help you get started, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash invest and enter invest like a boss in the how did you hear about us section hey everybody welcome back to episode 69 i'm sitting here in bangkok and i have the art of fx boys guys welcome back it's been uh since what a year and a half ago just over a year one year just over a year ago also in bangkok that we did episode three with brian and we have his co-part ting who Missed out on the last episode. You missed a lot of fun, buddy. <laughs> so we're uh, going to record a new episode on Forex. We're going to talk about updates in the Forex world, updates in Art of FX. We're going to talk about Johnny and my accounts, which have been crushing it the last few years since we've been had money managed by the guys. So, guys, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, buddy. So uh, where were we last week? We are with Michael Foster in the limo, riding around Bangkok. Had a good episode. Didn't hear anything from you guys. You were so silent in the background. We were just listening and learning. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful students you are as well. So, man, give us an update. Like, crazy year it's been. Our accounts are doing awesome. But it's since the last time we are actually we did an episode, we got Trump as president. We have all types of new things going on. What's changed in the world of, of FX? Oh man, we do have a lot of things going. <clears throat> we do have a lot of things going on, you know, whether it's terrorist, a bomb, natural disasters, all these things affect currency daily, you know, uh, maybe a country gets a new government, a new president. Uh, for example, now we have Donald Trump who loves to use his Twitter <laughs> and um, <clears throat> it really affects the market in, in many ways. Uh, ultimately, there's always fundamental events going on in the world that are going to affect the market. Uh, it just matters, you know, each year is going to be a new thing. This one, uh, this year particularly is just this North Korea thing. Uh, they just shot the missile over Japan today, caused a big crash last night. Um, you this know, morning, right? uh, this morning, early this morning in the Asia trading hours. That's insane. Like when I read news like that, I just don't believe it. I don't believe that North Korea is dumb enough to shoot a missile yeah, which over straight Japan. Yeah, straight over Japanese land. Yeah, I mean, clearly they are. They, uh, they um, have done a lot lately, a lot of provocation lately coming out of the... Uh, yeah, but this is the closest it's been to actually they fight a missile over foreign soil. When I see stuff like that happen, I feel like it's it, it's almost like someone's doing it. Like, it's not North Korea doing it. They, could, they couldn't just be that dumb. I always feel like there's... Someone else is doing it. The U.S., like the CIA or someone's doing it for an alternative purpose, you know. But I mean, you would hope, but North Korea has been... Um, unknown unknown variable for years, yeah. years, decades. Yeah, and, you know, they've been sheltering their people for so long. Um, I assume that, you know, it's just this regime and they're power hungry and they're trying to intimidate the world. Well, what about Trump's tweet? So obviously big events like this today are going to affect yeah, Forex so, markets, so right? That's actually changed our, our trading process a lot in our analysis. We actually got another computer just, just to sit there and just have our, our live feed with his tweets. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we found is that because they're, uh, these, these tweets is totally unscheduled. He likes to just come out of nowhere and say something, whether it's about the market, mm-hmm. the country or other countries. We all, we found that pretty much it almost always affects the US dollar. Um, and we've, after it's, it's taken, it's taken us a little while, but we've, we've learned how to use it in our trading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I mean, it's crazy to think that just, um, that first off that the president of the free world is using Twitter so much and also that it's, <laughs> that it's affecting, you know, the entire world and an entire nation's currency so much every time it happens. Uh, it almost looks like it's a contrived thing and it's done on purpose, but, um, you know, this is just something that we have to pay attention to just like. Every year, new things get added to the market that you have to be aware of, and this year happens to be Donald Trump's tweeting. Yeah, so, I mean, the, yeah. last, the last podcast, what, we had Brexit, 
Yeah. Uh, we Brexit, had the Eurozone. Yeah, the Euro, the Euro crisis. Now mm-hmm. the Euro crisis kind of died down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now it's North Korea. Then we have, actually, no, yeah, last year we had Ukraine, Ukraine and Russia. Right. Yeah. yeah, now we have, what, Venezuela. Also had the issues with uh, the British government yeah. in the last six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, terrorism. Yeah. Does, I mean, does terrorism affect the For sure. Stuff? If there's a bomb goes yeah. off somewhere, a bomb goes off, um, it's always going to yeah. affect that nation's currencies, even yeah. if just a little bit or just the fear mongering, you know, and starts the, to affect it over a slow time. That, that's why I've been surprised that the euro is so strong because oh, yeah. the euro, the well, Europe looks like it's just dying a slow death, honestly. It really does. You know, I, I think the euro is completely overbought right now. It's impossible to tell right now. You have Draghi who's completely avoiding talking about any you know, uh, stimulus policy, which normally when they start talking about ending the stimulus, that's when you'll see the currency start to wind down. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's completely avoiding those questions. And the euro is skyrocketing. It's actually at a 15-month high right now. It just popped over 1.2 this morning. So it's pretty impressive that somewhere we consider so weak is so strong against their currency, against, for instance, the dollar now, which has been sinking for quite a while. Crazy. What a lot of people don't actually realize, um, people who don't know the forex industry, is that people see see currencies as safe havens mm-hmm. to keep their money. So say, for example, um, this morning, this morning, uh, the Japanese yen is considered a safe haven because their their uh, economy is, despite them not doing that well, it's considered very, very stable. Yeah. So when things like terrorist attacks happen or people get scared based on certain certain events around the world, people like to put them, take their money out of equities or out of higher risk investments yeah. or things and put it into the Japanese yen. So they buy the Japanese yen, mm-hmm. which is why actually, which is why despite the fact that Japan got quote unquote attacked today, right. um, the, the yen actually got stronger. Yeah. Much stronger in, in a yeah. very short period of time. You know, the pound yen pair dropped um, 150, 160 pips just when they found out the news of the yeah. missile going over Japan. And then on the opposite side of that, you have people consider things like the euro as a, as a risk on Right. The euro, the Australian dollar, and also another instrument we, instrument we trade, uh, gold. Mm-hmm. Gold against the US dollar. Gold is also very big on risk yeah. on. Gold so is also yeah. at a very large high right now. It passed over 1300 today. So when right. people feel like they're willing to take a risk, when the overall market feels like things it's safe to take a risk, mm-hmm. we, we generally see those, those currencies and instruments get stronger. So when we're talking about changes in Forex world, we're only, we're typically talking about geopolitical events. There's not, there's not any structural change to forex trading or or anything of that nature. When we talk about change over the last year, we're talking about mostly yeah. geopolitical events. Yeah, right? I mean, basically, fundamentally, you can look at it two ways. One way is it's there's not any changes, and there's always something going on. There's always a new terrorist. There's always a new way to bomb someone. There's always a new government happening. Um, so there's always something that's uh, that's different from year to year to year. But ultimately, there's always fundamental things and factors that you have to always be aware of. Mm-hmm. And anything else different in terms of Art of FX? What's, what's been happening with you guys? Still same team, still same setup? Still have the same team, same setup, you know. Uh, it's, it's been working for us for years, so we yeah, didn't think. It's been doing good. This is now, it's just ending up the summertime, which is normally low liquidity, so we start to trade a little bit more, um, in this fall season. Uh, but right now, all our eyes are on the North Korea situation and how it's handled. Wow, cool. So in episode three, you mentioned that the Forex market is bigger than volume in terms of the stock market daily. Does that mean that, is that including like, because when we think about the Forex market and I'm sitting across from you guys, I'm thinking, okay, people are doing more like high frequency trading of, of sorts. But the Forex market is actually like when I walked out on the street earlier today and took a hundred dollar bill and exchanged it for 3,500 baht, right? Like that's considered the Forex market. And when I exchanged money for RMB at my bank, to hold that, that's considered for us, or, or is it something different? Um, at that level, I wouldn't consider that part of the daily volume. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, with, and that's a totally separate business where a business or a bank or something, they might hold large volumes of every currency yeah. and they make their money just by handing left and right. I mean, the combined stock markets deal in volume of billions and the Forex market deals in volumes of trillions. Yes. Yeah, so, like, um, for the last few years, uh, the overall Forex market has been around five, five and a half trillion US dollars per day. What? So that volume, it's, it's, it's a combination of all transactions conducted by all, all banks, institutional corporations around the world today. Uh-huh. Um, to compare that with the stock market, the New York Stock Exchange, uh, averages around 35, 45 billion per day. What? So if you compare it, that's, uh, so that 40, uh, 40 billion, 45 billion, compare that to 200 billion per hour in the forex industry. Okay. So that would include like if someone is making, 
like I don't know, like that. Also, that's not just people like you that are just trading. No, it's not, most right. of the money from forex trading is from the big banks. The yeah, big banks okay. do do currency trading more than most people because they have all the money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like only a third of the overall volume is actually just uh, spot transactions where one is being, one country is being exchanged for the other. Right. Um. The there's about half which is swaps options. Those are things like where a bank might. Do a contract mm-hmm. or a, for a, for a, for a corporation which needs to make a large purchase, right? And to hedge against the uh, forex risk. So, say for example, um, a company from Japan wants to buy Verizon, you know, SoftBank, and they have a set price. But the thing is, they can't. They probably can't pay for this company for another, you know, six months or a year, or depending uh-huh. on how, how the transaction is going. So they'll take an option against it to to um, hedge against the risk, to yeah. hedge against, so they know exactly how much they're going to pay for it. That's actually. We have a, another guy behind us, Chris, who was just talking about doing that for his business. And it was like over my head. I'm like, that seems like so much, so much work. But if you have a C- CFO or something in place, well, it, thing is, it like, starts making when, sense. When you do these hedges, um, you never know what's going to happen. So you could look, you could, if you didn't do it, you know, say you wanted to buy an, buy a company using foreign currency, mm-hmm. say over time, you don't know if you're going to lose money, if you're going to gain money based on the, the difference in, in the forex, the currency ex- exchange rate. Right. But, what you do know, if you do an option, if you if you hedge it, you know where you stand. So people are willing to take to, to, to take that risk and do it. Nice. So I want to chat a little bit about what it takes to trade forex full time. We had on Kirk Duplessis a few episodes ago to talk about what it takes to trade options full time. I know a lot of our listeners are always interested in, of course, investing, but also finding ways to you know to go full time in something on their own terms. And you know when I think of forex trading. I guess I always originally thought of the first way to get exposure to it is just straight up exchange money and hold, you know, hold of maybe like a fixed deposit at a bank like I'm doing with RMB. And then the second way would be kind of like do it yourself, which is essentially what you guys are doing. And then you've incorporated in a fund, which was, was kind of the third way that I realized that you could get exposure to Forex. And of course, the way I'm, I'm investing now with you guys. But I want to talk about what it would take for someone to do this full time. Obviously, you guys are doing it full time. And I've heard a statistic that 95% of people that trade Forex lose money. So I don't know if that's true, but maybe it's not that far off. Yeah, a lot of people ask us about that, especially mainly the ones who contact us because um, they've seen our track record and they want to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. The thing with that number is that if you look around, you might have, I don't know about you, but you can see online ads all the time from forex brokers mm-hmm. um, who say you know you know that's the problem with the industry they, they they try to make the forex industry seem like well forex trading seem like it's a quick buck yeah you know jump in and we'll give you 20 percent bonus or come in minimum deposit we'll let you in for only 200 dollars, 500 dollars, things like that yeah that's what that really affects the the success rate when people when when these these brokers are preying on inexperienced uh, yeah, new yeah. traders just to get more business in that's that's what causes this 95 percent number um, the thing is with Forex trading is like anything, you know, you need time, you need knowledge, you need experience and, you know, to, to do well, you have to, you have to put in the time, you have to invest the money and the effort to learn it's right. just like any other skill. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And the options episode that we're saying like six months is something, but it's kind of like me, like we did the option episode. I was super excited about options. I went, I made three option trades. I won two of them. I lost one. I didn't, I didn't lose money. Because the one I lost, I was, I sold a call, but, uh, but I can see people getting excited about this, getting the one time offers from oh, the broker and then jumping true. in and, yeah, and getting the hurt. Is, the thing is, if you jump in like that without any experience, it, all, it pretty much turns into gambling. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at the forex industry, uh, forex trading, sorry, um, we're either buying or selling. You know, it's not like we're picking from a hundred different options in terms of things. We're, we're picking whether a pair, a currency pair is going to go up or down. Yeah. You know, so, even if you're inexperienced, you could you could easily do well in the short term. Our, okay. what, what we do is that we narrow down narrow down the uh, the probabilities to to make it easier over time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to make money, but it's 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 super hard to keep it over the long term. Yeah, I agree with that. And just as a general theory of life, <laughs> <laughs> Not just trade, right? so do you guys aim for like a specific? Win rate. I'm sure you can map your win, like uh, your wins over time. Do you aim for to try to stay in a certain range? Um, the thing is, our, with our positions in our trades, the size and everything varies by the day and by the position and what exposure we have and everything. Mm-hmm. So we never really, we don't really care about 
Um, what do you call it? We don't care about win-loss ratios. We just care about whether we make money at the end of the of day. Of course. I mean, some wins can far outweigh the losses and some losses will outweigh the wins. You know, again, it just depends on what you're, what you're looking for and what that strategy calls for at that time. So someone that wants to do this full time, right? They have to have, of course, you can use leverage, I'm sure, which we can talk about, but you would have to have, I would assume, some capital in order to, to be able to make these trades. What type, if someone wants to be able to generate $60,000 a year, let's say that's $5,000 a month, is there a kind of a standard amount of money you would say you need to have to be able to, to realistically make that money and not be taking super gambles? I mean, if you're going to play it, um, if you're going to be playing it safe and not taking huge risks, which is obviously so you're going to be trying to avoid if you're trying to make a, a steady income from it. Um, I think we spoke about this earlier, probably around 500,000 would be yeah, a I, safe I, I number to say. Obviously, you can do this with far less and you can do it with far more, mm -hmm. but we're just talking about safe haven status. I think that would be the safest number for you. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. So I can just say my account, so my account, I'm 30%. Yeah. Okay. So that would be basically, you could probably generate that type off, say, 100,000 or 200,000, but you're going to have to be doing, taking much bigger of risk or much higher. You can generate that much, and, and we have before, but also, and once you start taking risks, you know, the more often you take risks, the, the higher your chance goes up to lose money. And when you start getting into that type of money in six digit accounts, the last thing you want to do is, is make a couple yeah. silly trades and lose <laughs> nothing's, nothing's guaranteed. So with this, this, this kind of, this yeah. percentage, you know, I'd say, you know, safely, Relatively, I'd, I'd one of the biggest them. mistakes people make is they put money in and they start winning and then you keep winning and then they get greedy, greedy and then you think, cocky. oh, well, I'll raise the risk a little bit. Oh, well, yeah. can you just raise this risk up a couple percent? They don't realize how much that affects you in the long run. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, you raise the if you raise your risk up a couple percent and you lose a couple more trades in a row than you normally would, next thing you know, you're down another 12, 15 percent. I mean, this brings us back to our hard knock lessons back, you know, eight, nine years ago. When we started, yeah. Or, I remember right, eight, nine years ago. That's yeah. crazy. I remember yeah, yeah. my first account. Wow. When I was first going in, I turned five thousand dollars into fifty thousand within about a month. What? And but the thing is, yeah, and that was when I first started. And the thing is, I got cocky. I, I'd, I'd won two, three hundred trades in a row, mm -hmm. and I'd be like, I'd sit there, I'd be like, I, you know, I can't be wrong. I'm yeah. great at this. I'm great at this. Bang! I lost about sixty percent of that in a day. Yeah. It's a very and common thing for people to have yeah. their very worst day of trading yeah. right after their best day of trading. Yeah. Oh, We've all God. done it many yeah. times. You know, you just get happy and you feel invincible and you think, oh, I'm definitely going to win this trade. And that's and the biggest part of trading as well. You've, yeah. got to, you've got to learn. It's hard because it's human nature to learn to kill that out of your Yeah, yeah the, hardest, the hardest lesson to learn in trading, I think, to be successful is to be able to not wear your emotions on your sleeve and have discipline. Yeah. That makes sense. No. Uh, well, in, in episode three, we, I think we talked about this, but you, you, you lost a lot of money. That was, uh, one day or one trade. I remember that day. Uh, in Bangkok, actually. Very clearly. It was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> hopefully we'll never have to do that again. Give us a short real quick. Um, let's see. I, it was a yelling. It was, we were waiting for yeah, yelling no, was, to speak uh, and it was about 10 seconds yeah, before the news was even released, right? Yeah. We were, we were getting ready for, for a major release. I think it was, um, it, it was, was yelling. Yeah. It was a, it was a U.S. Central Bank announcement, uh, yeah. a Fed announcement. And it was scheduled for, I think it was like, I don't know what it was, 10, 30 PM or something. something yeah. And we we're getting ready, you know, settling our positions, but we had a couple positions on. We're like, okay, no, no matter what happens, we we know, we know our variables. Mm -hmm. And it was literally two minutes. No, not even two minutes. It was I like mean, 10 seconds. It seemed like, I mean, the market yeah. crashed so fast and the news hadn't even been released yeah. yet. Normally, normally if there is a leak, it gets leaked maybe 10 seconds before we'll see the market go crazy. A little bit early, but this was about a yeah. minute. No, it was a minute. Yeah, it was it was because, around a minute. I mean, we felt it, we felt okay at that point, yeah, and then all of a sudden, gold <laughs> dropped. How it was it was something like thirty percent. Yeah, it the was, value of gold um, in about quarter of a second. It happened fast enough that knew, nobody knew how to wrangle it. I, I thought my computer was crashing. At yeah, that point. it was. It was just. Um, it was not a good yeah. showing. Yeah. How much did you lose? We lost around a million dollars. Yes. Yeah. Ah, it stings so yeah. good. Yeah, I love talking about <laughs> right it. Right under yeah. the, yeah, it just stings <laughs> the cheekbones yeah, and the yeah. ear lobes and everything. Yeah. The thing is, no, no, we had, we had a hedge, we had a, had a hedge. We had a hedge way had, down low way and down. got triggered because it missed all so, the stops. So we, right? we, we just lucked out and made an extra 200 of that back. Yeah. But yeah. But that's how, I mean, that's how, how it can happen, right? And yeah. that, the only way, to learn that stuff is to go, is through. To go through it. Yeah, through exactly. It. Like, we can, we can tell you as much as, you know, to not do this, 
or don't do this, but until you go through it and you feel the, the fear and the emotions of yeah. going through it, you, you're never going to go. Yeah, of course. Until you get used to the emotions of losing real money, that's why we always tell people, if you're going to start, don't start with a demo account because you don't have any idea of like the real feelings of losing real money. Interesting. Yeah. Once you get going with real money and you start to feel out wow. those, that's how you really start learning. I've, so I've, you really learn to become a trader. I've known people, the most intelligent people in the world, and they'll be on demo and, you know, Early on our days, we were trading alone, so we were trying to find as many like-minded people as we could. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to meet as many people. I, I, I had friends who'd trade, and they trade for years and years on demo, as in demo is um, like fake money. So you yeah. have the same terminal, but it's not real money. And they'd go for years, just just do amazing. Mm-hmm. But then they'd put, they'd go jump in a $2,000 account, and they'd lose everything within a week because... Mm-hmm. They just don't have it in them to risk. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah some people just don't game. have it. You don't have any idea that, that when you're, you're trading react? and it's going against you, it's the worst, help, yeah. most helpless feeling in the world. Yeah. And until you learn how to do that and, and deal and cope with those losses, you're never going to be successful. With us, ever. with us, it's all about consistency and being able to make the same decision in all kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, if you get a little bit scared or if you get a little bit cocky, it means that you're more possible. To, to expand your view and, and, and deviate from your, yeah. your strategy and you become, and that causes those inconsistencies. Yeah. Most people have a strategy, you know, that maybe it works six months, seven months or a year, a couple of years. And then, it, you know, the market changes a little bit and they think they need to completely change their strategy immediately. When in reality, they just, you kind of have to they stick to the and they think, oh, Now, no, if things just... aren't going well for, you know, five or six months, maybe you have to change your strategy. You always have to be evolving in Forex, but for the most part, if you have rules and they work, they will continue to work. You just have to have patience and discipline and stick out. I can't help that you're all com- comparables to, we just watched the Mayweather McGregor fight. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, McGregor was talking about how composed Mayweather was. And I mean, that's, that's, you know, 50 yeah. fights. That's for a lot someone, of experience. Someone right? who's never fought, you can just say, this is what it feels like to get punched in the face. Right. This is how you, how you should react to getting punched in the face. Right. But until you get hit, you don't know what, 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 yeah. how you're going to react. Yeah. So if someone wants to get into forex trading for, for, or let's, let's go back to like your guys very first forex trade you ever made and, and relate that to someone who is considering making their first, first forex trade. Is there, is there like a standard trade that people should consider making or is that just, just throw it up? <laughs> um, you know, I think most people, when they break into forex trading, they trade, uh, the major pairs. There's four considered major pairs, uh, the euro to US dollar, the, the dollar chief, um, the pound to the US dollar and the, oh, yeah. and yeah, the well, dollar yen. Yeah. Well, those yeah. pairs, they're, they by far outweigh any other pair. Yeah. So. I'd, yeah, I'd recommend to stay with those because this, those spreads are the lowest. They have the most liquidity, so yeah. you're not going to get screwed. I think I think our first trading ever was definitely on the euro US dollar. Mm-hmm. It was just the most the best trending, and well, it was the easiest. I remember to try when, to learn. when we first first started working together, we actually just stuck with the euro dollar for, for yeah. a good amount of time. But that was you know things that. have changed a lot in the euro dollar. It used to have a range of like sixty pips a year or sixty pips a day, and now you know it's far outweighs that. It's gone a lot more volatile. So. It's not quite as safe to just try to scalp the euro dollar, but I think if anybody's trying to get into Forex, that's probably one of the first ones you want to learn. Now, fast forward to today, how many trades would you guys make in a single day and how long are those trades good for? Is it a day? Is it minutes? Is it multiple days? Um, you know, it just depends on what strategy I'm using, which accounts I'm trading, but I can easily surpass a hundred trades yeah. a day. That's However, crazy. you know, yeah, if the market's not going my way and I'm trying to adjust, I tend to make less trades and focus on better setups until I'm more comfortable with like the current market conditions. So a uh, hundred trades a day, that's, is that like actually clicking to make a trade at 100? That's in click, click, click. But you know, I'm at the computer 18, 20 hours yeah. a day. So like, it's like we have trades, typical. some trades are literally seconds open and close. Yeah. You know, some are days, weeks, but I think our average is around four to six hours, I'd say. Wow. Yeah, yeah for sure. And how much would a typical trade, I don't know the best way to, to set up this question, but how much would a typical trade make? I think you could talk about it maybe in pips or percentage points, but let's say like you, it was a hundred thousand dollars on one trade. What is it like a $50 winner loss? Or is it more? Um, it can vary so much yeah. um, because it really depends on, on our current exposure, um, the state of the market and how everything's moving. Um, but yeah, it can range from, you know, a few dollars to 
tens of thousands, all depends on. Actually, you said a hundred thousand, right? Yeah, let's say well, for a hundred k account, I'd probably say yeah, anywhere from a few dollars up to you know multiple hundreds of dollars. But I'd say we average for probably about yeah about fifty, forty, fifty dollars. Of course, yeah. I mean some trades you're gonna have are gonna be a couple thousand. Some trades are gonna be way less. It, once you make the trade and you see it goes into positive territory. Um, you kind of just adjust your strategy and when you're going to close it, depending on how the market looks and the like, market action at the time. Like how we enter and exit occasionally, depending on, on what we're looking at. You know, we may enter 10, 20 positions on the same pair. Mm. We're just at different levels. And is there, is there a way that you guys protect your downside on, on any or all of those trades? Stop loss. Um, a, a lesson, another lesson that's invaluable in forex trading is you got to have an emergency stop loss for you know emergency situations. You never know when the bottom will drop out of the market or it'll skyrocket. For again, we talked about it earlier. It could be something as simple as a tweet. And you never know if your internet or your power is just going to cut out either. <laughs> been there, been there for sure. All been there. Although it's been quite, it's pretty reliable in Bangkok. Yeah, actually. when we first started, when we first it's got more reliable here, now. Yeah, when we I remember first got here. Yeah, every, every two or three weeks. But we haven't yeah. had them for a lot. I remember in the when we were in Thirty Nine Boulevard, yeah. it was like it was very unreliable. Yeah. We had we had we had three hotspot devices on three different networks and our cell phones. And yeah, we had to use them all the time. But yeah, yeah, for sure. I can remember the days when we were all, when we were neighbors in 39 Boulevard and we'd go weeks at a time without air conditioning in the middle of summer. Oh and they would come up with like, with a, a little <laughs> fan. Yeah. Uh, I know it's 105 degrees, but. And, and a 200 square meter bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah. It'll be fixed in 12 <laughs> days. No big deal. Just trying to suck all the AC yeah. out of the back room, right? Yeah. It's we'd so have bad. like one AC runner and trying to like, <laughs> funnel it to our rooms. the biggest heat wave. Be like, here's yeah. a fan. Now pay your rent. Funny, as soon as we moved out of that building, we never had that problem again. No, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> actually. Anyway. I haven't had a power outage yet, I think. Uh, well, if anyone uh, looks up on TripAdvisor, you still see my, <laughs> my review labeled diminishing standard, which I actually got kicked out of the building permanently for leaving that review. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're never allowed back. Not allowed back on the property. Yeah. And actually, there's a restaurant on that property I really like, all 6 uh, to 12, but I, I refuse. Yeah, they they're not there anymore, mate. Oh, good, yeah, good. But Coquette's over there now. That's pretty good. Hmm. All right, well, the I refuse to remove my review upon the request. I think that you're probably banned from that area whether <laughs> yeah. you removed it or not by now. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. So what's, what's like a typical day for you guys now? You talked about how much time you spend in front of the computer and how many trades you make. Is it... You have like a routine of, you know, in the morning you're doing research and then in the afternoon yes. you're making trades or? So, um, the Forex market, the retail Forex market is open from Wellington open on Monday morning. So our time it opens 4 a.m. 4 a.m. But that's, that's the same time as when New York would close. But this is on a Monday morning and it would close on a Friday night, Saturday morning when New York closes. Yeah. Mm. So that's five and a half days. Yeah. Um, during the week. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's, eh. Yeah, a lot of people like to think, you know, traders, you have this super exciting life and you see the movies and people screaming at microphones and just pumped up party all the time. But honestly, most of the time you're sitting in front of the computer, uh, you're staring at the market, you're, whether you're doing research or, you know, looking at technical indicators to try to figure out what your next move is going to be. You know, a lot of this also can depend on strategy, but if you're an actual trader and you're actually trying to make an income and a daily quota, you're going to be on a computer a lot more than if you're just an investor. So, um, you know, I might wake up, <clears throat> go straight to my room or go straight to my office. I sleep with my laptop every night, take my laptop <laughs> into my office, stare at the computer for 16 to maybe 20 hours, sleep about three to five hours a night. If I'm really lucky, wake up and do it all over again. I, I literally, there was a, a period recently I didn't even go downstairs in my house for months. Um, <laughs> and I can attest to this. I've slept over at their place a couple of times when you guys used to have the, the penthouse on, uh, 33. 33. Yeah. And, uh, I was amazed. Like Brian would be up when I went to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, he'd be oh, up already with six screens in front. I was like, what is this guy doing? Yeah. It's a nice place. And I'd leave one room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beautiful. I never like went three there. stories. And Brian would be in one room of, uh, this, this massive place the entire time. Of course, but I'm only 36 years old. You know, yeah. if it helps me get ahead now, I guess I can make those little sacrifices to my body. And right. the thing is, the market, it's, it's, it's relatively quiet, relatively dead for, I'd say about 80, 90% of the time. You know, there's hot spots during the day, you know, when, when, when UK opens, uh, when New York opens, mm -hmm. mid-US mid session, yeah. uh, the Japanese clothes, things like that. So most of the time we're literally sitting there and nothing's happening. Yeah. I mean, it really likes to lull you to sleep. And that's why yeah. it's even more frustrating because you have to always being able to pay attention. You know, it might be slow all day long and then something happens and it shoots up a hundred pips or yeah. you know, yeah. 200 pips and you, 
you know, you have to be on your toes what's, at all times. What's a pip? Uh, so a pip is um, one one point. Okay. So it, I guess pips are different depending on what broker and how they see it. A pip is generally one hundredth of a cent. Okay. So hundred pips is a cent. Oh, really tiny. Yeah. So we trade into point one of a cent. Okay. So for us, if we can gain for each of our trades, if we can gain point two of a pip, that's two thousandth of a cent. We're making money. Cool. Uh-oh. So when it comes to like information, I mean, I think so much of this stuff, like you said, it just comes down to experience and understanding setups. Of course, understanding some geopolitical, you know, events and how they how they trigger things, how if Trump tweets, what you know, how that might affect things. And I think a lot of that just you gain through experience. But is there anything else, any other type of like news source or software that you use to gain any type of of information advantage? Um, I don't think that it's possible to have an information advantage anymore because of HFT and supercomputers. Um, they read all the information and make trades accordingly before the retail trader on average could ever even dream of. So um, we don't like to really focus on the fundamentals. We like to be aware of them so we know when to trade and when not to trade or when to be aware of maybe something, a potential move happening in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that... Yeah, I mean, our strategy is very technical-oriented. So uh, we pay more attention to the charts, numbers, and analysis rather than outside events. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, outside events, fundamental events are going to shake the market. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, with with the, with the fundamentals, generally they, they follow a schedule. There's a website that we use that we recommend everyone who wants to trade use, um, forexfactory.com. Mm-hmm. It has a live live feed of of every every scheduled release by mm-hmm. everything in every every government and things in through the week. So you'll see. You 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 throw it up and it'll say two p.m. today. You know the central bank of yeah. I mean, I certainly wouldn't look at it as a information advantage. It just gives you the information that you yeah, need. You, There's so many yeah. people. You can see it when you watch it. You see the live release come out. Yeah. The market's already moving. Yeah. You know because of the HFT and the super. And for us, and for us, we use that calendar less of a less of a direction and less of less of how we trade to more of when we we should be avoiding the market because yeah. when they get released that's when the market goes crazy of course. and we like to stay on the most predictable yeah, side I mean, for instance if unemployment numbers are coming out at the end of the week we probably will do our best to not be as as fully vested in the market at that mm. point because you know a move anything or, can happen exactly that's interesting I was just watching the show Billions it's like my new favorite show I know I'm a little bit late to the to the game on that but they were talking one of the lines in it of course it's it's just a show but they were saying how, you know, how do you get your information advantage? He's like, we have the exact same information as everyone else. We just analyze it differently. And that actually made a lot of sense to me because I think that even though it's just a show, I'm sure there's some truth to that. There's some Wall Street insight to that. And I think so much of it just comes down to having the experience to know how to analyze certain information yeah, exactly. and certain events. The thing is, um, in trading, you get so, there's so many, so many places to get different kinds of information. You know, you get numbers here, left, right, center, all the kind of websites, you know, there's a lot of different services, a lot of different publications. Mm-hmm. And it's more about just knowing what not to look at and what to ignore. Yeah. You know, information overload doesn't, can't help anybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you the know, best we, way to learn the market is just be watching charts as much yeah. as you possibly can start learning the price action. That's, that's the number one way to get the advantage. Yeah. So if there's a, if there would be a big event, let's go back to like Brexit. We all knew Brexit was okay. coming. Yeah. We didn't know, I, I don't yeah, know what side exactly of the, when the vote was going to come and when. Yeah. But we didn't know exactly how it was going to go, right? Of course, of course. <clears throat> Is that something that you you set up a trade for, pr- trying to predict the outcome? Um, no, no, no. We, um, I would never, I would never, never suggest anyone try to predict something. Yeah, we were. Um, in fact, we were heavily long the pound when they were doing the votes, assuming that. Um, well, we had already been long due to technical indicators, but yeah. I kind of assumed that it, the Brexit wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. So we had some longs, and I thought, you know, maybe we'll just leave them on. But right before the the final votes came in and they did the final count, I was really tired. Uh, I'm going to go to sleep. So I closed all the trades out in profit and I woke up and the pound had just crashed. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that I didn't do that. And again, that's one of the reasons we don't like to, yeah. to trade the news because the unexpected can always happen. And when it does and you're on the wrong side, you know, it's a good way to margin call, lose everything. And that's also why we keep our trades as short as possible. You know, the shorter you keep it, the more, the more controlled it is, the less variables there are. You know, you never know if, Say North Korea launches another missile in two hours. Mm-hmm. That's totally out of our control. Yeah. What's in our control is that we know our levels, we know our variables, we know our parameters, yeah. and we stick to that, and we keep it short so so less of a chance of outside events affecting our trades and our money. So we get in, make our money, get out. Yeah. What mistakes do you see people make when they first get into forex trade? You mentioned a lot of people just kind of jump in because they see a special offer from their broker. Is there 
or maybe not putting stop losses on? What are like for what, sure? What I think all of these things. Yeah. I think um, you know, over trading, greed. Yeah. Um, once people, you know, people get cocky. Yeah. It's easy to get excited and emotional and happy when you're making money, and it's also easy to get really greedy. And yeah, it's it's the thing is with trading. Like I said before, it's either up or down, right? Mm-hmm. No matter what trade you get into. So if you jump in, anyone who has no experience, they jump into something like this. They put a trade in. You know, they might make a few dollars, and suddenly they just feel amazing about themselves, and they start throwing things left and right. And that's just dangerous, you know. It's like any kind of betting. That's pretty much the same as gambling. I guess having know. emotions and lack of discipline would be the biggest mistake yeah. you see. Yeah, that's another not, thing. Under, undercapitalization. So much, right? Yeah, I'd say undercapitalization is a huge problem. Oh, for sure, being um, undercapitalized. People, we have people hitting us up, you know, trying to learn, but then they say they only have five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars to trade with. Yeah. The thing is with trading, this is also the same with stocks. If you only have so much to trade with, the the the, the less money you have. The, the more of a risk you're taking with yeah. each position. Yeah. You know, if you only have, if, if, if it's each trade, you're risking a dollar. If you only have a hundred dollars trade, you're risking it 1% with every trade. Yeah. If you have a thousand dollars, that's only 0.1%. I think so many people probably, you know, hear a story from a friend of a friend of a friend or something oh, like yeah. your story where you turn 5,000 into oh, yeah. 50,000. And, you know, that's why, because most people I don't think would actually look at a thousand dollars and say, okay, I want to, I want to start trading this right we have a lot of people who yeah you right how many less, people yeah. want to do that yeah, I mean, and, thing, and again it's not completely unrealistic anything can happen and it has yeah. happened before but, and but we've had our experiences with as it. responsible However, traders we can't yeah. just recommend but it's different when you're when you're managing other people's money or you're doing it yourself you're managing other people's money you're not going to put them in a situation where they're undercapitalized or they're going to be risking more than you know they typically would be yeah um, it's just not fair to the client. It's not fair to us considering the amount of time you put into it. Yeah. And being, and being, um, account managers, you know, number one for us. Okay. Yes. We're, we're always chasing profit, but number one for us is capital conservation. Of you course. Know. Our know. number one priority is to make sure people don't lose. Yeah. We money. always say it's great to make money, but it's better, you know, it's better to not lose money yeah. than just to make money. Especially when you're managing other people, right? Of course. Yes. You, know. you want to turn into customer service junkies. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into some listener questions. So we put it out in the lounge. I know you guys are both active in the boss lounge. Thank you for that. Let's jump into a few listener questions. How about the crazy shits going on in the world of cryptocurrencies? I'd say nine out of 10 of our recent podcast requests from listeners have all been about cryptocurrencies. I think just getting our heads around it and everything that's going on in the world. Do you guys trade or invest in cryptocurrencies or have a view on them? We don't actually trade uh, cryptocurrencies. I do find them very fascinating, but we don't trade them for a number of reasons. You know, one of the reasons is Ting and I are already in a very volatile market. Uh, we don't need to add extra risk to our portfolio. And number two is the IRS and feds are constantly saying they want to figure out a way to track it. And I know the entire point is that it's money that's not tracked and, and all that. However, you know, when you have the feds constantly saying they want to find a way to track it, yeah. it makes it a little bit uh, unappealing and unappetizing for somebody to get into. Um, I think maybe at this point, uh, if it dropped down under a thousand, I might, you know, buy some and just hold it for the long term. If, if it worked out, it worked out. If it didn't, it didn't. But just for trading every day, it's just far too volatile right now for uh, us to be interested yeah. in adding extra risk to our yeah, portfolio. It's just, it's just way too too dangerous considering the fact that one single thing can cause a massive crash across the entire cryptocurrency market. If if anyone just came out and says, we're going to do this with cryptocurrencies, they're all going to fall through the 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 US came out and said something the other day that they're like, they're looking to put in measures to exactly. track it. The IRS and the feds have said it several times. It's more than one time now. And again, this is yeah. another reason I don't want to get involved with it right now. I'm not yeah. going to say that I don't ever want to yeah. get involved with like, it. I'm open to the idea that it will keep going up for, for however long. But the risk is just there to just, yeah, to just sure. disappear. I, uh, it's, I, I think people that are deep, deep into cryptocurrencies could look at it and make an argument to say, well, it's if, it, tough luck if they want to track it. They'll never be able to or whatever. But, I, th- I think that's perfectly fine. But the yeah. problem is not so much if they ever become uh, have the ability to, to actually track it. It's moreover even them mentioning it and trying yeah. to make moves to do it can cause a major crash. Yeah, it's going to scare away a right lot now. Of I think what it's over yeah. 4,000 or something. Yeah. I think, uh, it can, you know, with it, just them saying, Oh, we might have found a way to do it or we're working on a way can make it, you know, crash 
very, very heavily. Yes, and all, all these these late adopters that would get in with you know their, part of their life savings, exactly. and they see it going down. It could just call it. It yeah. could go really, really quick. It's like really anything. Quick. You know, things get popular, and yeah. everyone wants to jump on. And I, yeah. you know, I massively respect the people that that have the balls to stay in there and stick it out. But then again, this is just not a market that we're interested in yeah. at this time. Like we know what we're good at. We've been we've been making consi- consistent and good money for years and years. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking, you know, we'll yeah. stick with that. And for all the listeners out there, we're going to have some new dedicated episodes on cryptocurrencies coming out so stay tuned how about the team and and what you guys are doing your your setup are you guys expanding the team at all um no we're not you know we have a strategy in the system that's been working really well ting and i work great together and and right now it's just one of those situations that if it's not broke don't fix it mm-hmm. yeah like we've tried different things and you know we've 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 tested things on the side we've started a side account we tried different things with different people and it's you know it's never really worked out like we've been together what four almost five years now for sure um we've only been professionally as you know as a company out of effects for since what 2014 yeah but we've been working together for about a year or so before that and yeah it's 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 what we're doing now and what we've always been doing is works has worked really well for Mm -hmm. us so we'll stick to that so So we get a lot of questions about tax reporting and how this stuff is filed i imagine that's i i know how it is as a as a u.s citizen but you're dealing with people everywhere right Oh yeah, um, all all kinds of countries. You know, the 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 Americas. Um, most of our clients are actually uh, Europe and Asia based. Uh, a lot of people from Australia. Um, not too many African countries. Um, but yeah, the thing is, there's so many different laws, and we're not we're not you know registered tax attorneys or anything like that. So we, we you know responsibly we shouldn't we shouldn't be giving out, and we can't be giving out any real advice. Mm-hmm. All I can say is you know go speak to your CPA or tax attorney or something. Right. So I can just jump in and say, as a U.S. citizen, uh, the way that I believe we are reporting it is that it's a foreign brokerage account. Uh, and I think this could honestly go different ways because I remember this being a, a pretty confusing topic with my CPA, Mario. But uh, I believe it's regarded as a PFIC and it's, um, it's marked to market on the gains. But talk to your CPA because I know some people that are trading Forex, they're putting some in as long-term capital gains, some as short-term. And I think depending on if you're investing in a fund or you're doing it yourself, it can be different. So it can be very complicated. So chat it up with your CPA. We'll get, uh, we'll get Mario involved in the boss lounge to, uh, to give an explanation on how my account is filed. And also, um, a couple of months ago, the U.S. government, they, they, what they, they kicked out the Dodd-Frank reform, didn't they? Yeah. The Dodd-Frank Act. So in terms of the U.S., things are changing all the time. They're still discussing it. So we're not, yeah, we, we always say just speak to your, speak to your professional, your tax professional. Cool. So when it comes to accounts, what's what are you guys currently doing for minimums and what's the hold time for people well, our, making Our minimum has pretty much always been 25,000 US dollars to start. Um, I remember since our first podcast, we ran a promotion for iLab uh, Invest Like a Boss listeners. What was it? $10,000? Yes. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, we, I mean, we, we had it we, down for a while for at 10,000 as the uh, promotion for the podcast, but, uh, about a month or two ago, we decided we would move it back up to 20K. Yeah. All right. Sweet guys. Um, volatility. A lot of questions about can Forex traders, how, like, how does Forex trading work in bear markets? Does it thrive on volatility, like option markets? How's that all work out? Yeah. We get a lot of questions, uh, from people who don't know too much about Forex. So, um, people with, you know, equity, you know, stock investment, um, experience. Well, for us, because we, what we trade, we trade currency pairs. So for example, like Brian said earlier, the euro against the US dollar or the British pound against the US dollar or gold against the US dollar. Uh, because they're done in pairs, um, we can make money on both sides. So if the, if currency pair is going up or if it's going down, we can make money on both sides. Um, in terms of volatility, volatility, general volatility is good for us. So because we trade technicals, we trade the movement. And we trade the bounces, we trade supply and demand, we trade all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So the more it moves, the more opportunities we have to enter and get get into and get out of the market. So we like that. But in terms of high volatility, where markets are going crazy um, due to yeah. you know tweets, bo- tweets, <laughs> and, <laughs> and things like that, that's, that's that's not good volatility yeah, we, for us. We tend to we try to yeah, we yeah. tend to try to sideline ourselves when the market gets too wild. Again, you know, we like to make money on both sides. That's one of the draws to forex is you have that ability. However, um, it does get to the point of volatility sometimes that you just have to sit back and kind of let the market relax a little bit before you get, jump back in and make any trades. And the thing is, people talk about bull and bear markets. 
like you know it's forex is not like like stocks it's not like you see a company which you feel like is going is is doing well or has a good future and you put money into it what we're doing is with with currency pairs we're comparing an economy with another economy you know an entire currency an entire yeah. country with another country very rarely does you know a country actually bottom out you know like yeah. especially a major currency you know zimbabwe oh, zimbabwe yeah. botswana um, yeah. zimbabwe um uh, Venezuela, yeah, those kind of those kind of countries. Can you trade the Venezuelan currency? I, I think you can on yeah. some very rare brokers. Yeah, but, but I don't know if I trust yeah. those brokers. <laughs> yeah. Anybody yeah. that's letting people trade the yeah. volatility of a Venezuelan currency is uh, probably not a broker that I would get in line with. Um, yeah. it, it would be considered a major exotic for sure. Yeah. So these like these these countries, very the major ones, they're very they're not going to go to nothing. You know, they're always going to be worth something. You know, you can't say that you know. A, an area with a hundred million people, half a billion people right. is suddenly just going to be worthless. Yeah. So it's Nothing. not like your stock is going to be worthless. It's just, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I think that like a really sexy term that we keep, that keeps coming up that we learned on this podcast was non-correlated assets. And I see this as, as something that well, I've, I've seen it with, you know, when Brexit happened and we've had some corrections in, over the last two years, the account still plugs along, yeah. continues to make money. So I guess you guys are kind of market ag- as agnostic, agnostic. Totally, right? Totally. Yeah. Like we have, we have positions where we'll say, say we think the uh, Japanese yen is going to be here in, we believe within the next week or two based on the charts. So we'll buy at that level. But then at the same time, it doesn't mean we'll also within, within that time frame, even though we're long on it, we're buying it. We'll, at times we'll leave, we'll sell small parts because it's not going to go straight up. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take advantage of every movement that we can, that we can see. Right. I, I was taking a look at my account in the chart and we share the, the chart in Boston Lounge pretty regularly. And I was almost thinking that it looked like you guys changed your trading strategy because it almost looks like the, the curve has smoothed. Like the, the draw, the ups, it looks like the wins and losses are, are, are pretty, pretty minimal. So it's, it's smooth, which is nice. It feels secure. But then when I, I kind of look, look to realize that there's this massive win streak that's kind of in the middle of the chart. And if you take that out, then it doesn't actually look like much has changed. It looks like it's pretty much the same. Is that oh, yeah. safe to say? Yeah. Uh, midway through last year, we had a really good run, which, yeah, you'll be happy with. Um, <laughs> but in terms, yeah, we, we, we generally try to keep it the same. Um, of think- course, you know, uh, the, you know, the strategy always has to evolve a little bit. You have to be aware of different market conditions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in years like this, when we have new president and, you know, the North Korea tension, um, you know, we're, we're particularly careful at times just because, again, it's better to not lose money than make money at times. But, um, you know, we're still grinding. We're still doing well. And, and the, the curve is still on its way up. And over time, you learn more and more when to when to put your tools down, when to switch off and just be like, OK, I'm going to wait until things get better. I'm not going to risk this. I don't have to. Right. I don't have to be in now. So the last two years I've had the account with you guys, I think it's up and up on average of 32 percent. This year, year to date, it's up 11 percent. We're about slightly over halfway through the year so things looking good appreciate it guys you killing it love hanging out with you i had a, like a question uh just about the fun this is more like a business question it would seem like putting the, okay f- for a larger company to put together a, a fun a quote-unquote fun like this it would seem like okay it's it's more realistic but for a relatively small team to put together a fun where you might have a hundred clients they're all putting money in at different levels managing all that with a small team seems like it would be a you know it'd be difficult but so like how do you how are you able to put that together well we have a really good relationship with our broker Mm -hmm. um so everything everything uh with that kind of thing in terms of managing multiple company uh, multiple clients and multiple Mm -hmm. accounts through one terminal that's all done on their side okay cool. so with them we have a we have an entire server act to with with our broker Mm -hmm. to to sort that out so what happens is uh, from our side, we essentially just trade one terminal. So one computer, all our screens there, and we can enter in, into the market, hit one button, and it'll, it'll go across all accounts. We don't need to sit around trying to, trying to fiddle around, trying to screw with all, right. all, all our accounts. So our broker source that out. So whether, so whether we have 10 people on board or a thousand accounts there, the process itself is pretty much the same. Um, all of our accounts are done, um, uh, are there under U- in US dollars, uh, the same leverage levels. Um, same data feed, same everything. So for us, everything's Easy. the same. That's cool. I think it's so cool how technology is making this possible. Like we have we've had so many people on the show in the last year that are relatively small companies that have basically these funds set up. I know we have one coming on um, next week. They started uh, 
a sports betting fund mm-hmm. in Nevada that just passed the law. <laughs> like you can crazy, invest yeah. in that, and well, they, so they make all the bets. Like it's it's cool. Like yeah, being able to cool. get access to all. Like you're getting access to essentially some of the smartest people in the industry. Let's say like you guys in in Forex or like this guy is one of the the best. Regards one of the best uh, uh, betters for lack of better words in Vegas over the last decade. Now he's got a fund. Like so you can basically. Follow on on his trades. It's well, pretty cool. We've seen we've seen huge huge changes just in the last few years in terms of technology. I mean, that's what's really allowed us to have this this oh, multi account yeah. fund. When people used to do yeah. currency trading, they'd sit around and they would make phone calls to place their oh. trades, and they'd call back in a week <laughs> my, to close the trade. My mental totally different ball game like, now. When when we do our weekend analysis, where we go through every every pair uh-huh. that we do, we do we we look at what forty pairs, but we yeah. really only get mostly into about eight or nine. Um, I remember we, we can we can go through forty eight pairs, um, a dozen different time frames on each pair within you know five or six hours a day, yeah. half a day, and when, during the week when the market's open, we can have it all open and do live analysis with our drawing tools and everything on the fly. Mm. My, I remember my mentor when we were when we were when I was first starting, he used to tell me how he used to need to use graph paper. And draw out the mm-hmm. the price levels, and he has to draw it on graph paper with yeah. the, with with a ruler, yeah. and a pencil, and to enter and close, <laughs> he has to make a phone call. And sometimes, depending on the state of the market or whether things were open or closed, he had to make he had to send a fax to wow. open and close a trade. We we can hit a button on our computer, yeah. and we're executed within you know two milliseconds. Yeah, and having the ability to look over and analyze so many different pairs gives you so many more opportunities. Uh, you know, when people first started doing forex trading and such. And there was, it wasn't all on the computer. Um, you know, you really can't, you don't have the time to analyze 40 different pairs. You know, you have to choose one or two and really try to specialize in them. Mm-hmm. So it really opens up the opportunity for us. People that want to find out more about Art of FX or learn how to trade, do you guys have, I know people can find out about you on the website. Do you have any type of material people can learn a little bit more about how to trade Forex? Yeah, well, um, all I can say is just get in contact with us. Um, we're more than happy to help anyone who's, who's who wants to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think Brian mentioned in the first podcast what we do. It's it's a very lonely work, very lonely kind of work. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's the main reason we started the we we have a trading room and yeah, we started yeah. that because we want to we like chatting and and discussing professional things just discussing everything with people who do the same same thing as us you yeah. know it's cool. always nice to bounce ideas you know absolutely well guys it's been real thank you for uh, the great account management hope it goes and continues and that curve continue going up for years to come listeners will leave links and all the for uh, all Art of FX stuff in the show notes, along with some charts of Johnny and my account. And stay tuned uh, for a little post-episode analysis, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Nice to hear you guys in Bangkok. I'm a bit envious, to be honest. Well, I I am remembering our times in Odessa last summer, and we had some great times there. So I wouldn't be jealous. You're in an awesome spot. And just like last week with the limo and Michael Foster on the municipal bond episode, missing you, buddy. Definitely missing you. Yeah. So I'm glad we get to catch up at least, you know, over over the air like here uh, and continue mm-hmm. to spark our romance. But Odessa is definitely not <laughs> the same without you. Uh, it's if, if any of you guys have ever considered coming out to Ukraine and want to be by the sea, this is a great place. It's, it's almost kind of like little mini Vegas in Eastern Europe by the sea. Um, but winter's coming up, so probably wait till next year. I will say that of all those travels that we did last year, Odessa was my biggest takeaway. You know, you go to a lot of places that meet expectations, a lot of places that miss expectations. Odessa definitely beat expectations from the people, the value, the weather. I thought it was I thought it was a really fantastic place and I thought it was the best kept secret that I discovered last year with you. Yeah, and the strange thing is Odessa is actually even though it's by the sea and it's like um more of a touristy, like, I don't want to say party place, but it's definitely, you know, a nicer place to visit. Uh, it's mm-hmm. more beautiful than Kiev, which is the capital city. It's actually significantly cheaper here. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing value. I, the, I think even the co-working spaces, they're in a co-working space now, right? Yep. Terminal 42, awesome place. It's like $70 for a full-time desk, like $70. You don't find that price even in, you know, third world countries in Southeast Asia. Yeah, it's actually cheaper than Thailand. It's bigger. They have really good coffee, and it's it's definitely a, a place worth checking out. Uh, 
you know, obviously this isn't a travel podcast, but you can, you guys can, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll write more about it on Johnny FD if you guys want to check it out there. But what's cool about what we do with our investments and our money is we're able to continue making passive income through our investments, you know, really wherever we are, whether you're in Bangkok or I'm here in Thailand. And what's even cooler is Brian and Tang are both based out of Bangkok and, you know, and running their business and trading from there. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy what's happening in the world right now. And the, you know, call them digital nomads, call them location independent entrepreneurs. But the, I mean, even things like what Brian and Tang are doing with the fund. Okay. I think that is, that's one of the coolest things I think that they're doing. This is the fact that it's essentially two guys that are head traders. They have a small team, a supporting team that helps them with admin and, you know, the brokerage side of stuff, but they're managing a fund. You know, that's, that doesn't seem like that's an easy thing to do for like a, 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 a two person basically team, right? It seems like something that's practical to do if you're a hundred person team with a lot of resources, but all this stuff is really just being enabled now through technology. Yeah. And the fact that they don't need to have a big office in New York somewhere and have a ton of employees, a ton of staff that keeps their overhead down, which keeps money in our pockets as as clients. Absolutely. And I just think it's cool to have, to be able to, to chat with guys that, you know, they're arguably some of the best people in the category. I think just like Michael Foster from last week in terms of CEFs, I don't know any, I've, I've looked everywhere for more information on CEFs. I don't know anyone that knows CEFs better than him, municipal bonds. It's awesome just sitting down with these guys and really learning the details of how they operate because we can, you know, counter to some of the big CEOs, people that have been in the industry for 50 years, you know, they're just different types of episodes. And the, the big CEOs, you get a lot of historical wisdom, you get a lot of, of great insight, but you're never going to get that nitty gritty daily operation stuff from them. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's kind of cool just because knowing their mindset, they're super open about what they're trading on. And I've also noticed that they're, they're definitely, have been more consistent as in, Taking, I don't want to say taking less risks, um, but I think that's what it is. I think I think they've they've matured in their trading strategy where they bring consistent results without you know too much volatility. And I'm actually kind of surprised how like you know when they were they were talking about how they don't like to trade when it's too volatile, even though there's a lot of money to be potentially made when you know there's a, a crazy um tweet going out or and like the, you know things are jumping up and up and down that day where there's a crazy news story you know that just came out and the fact that they you know say okay let's let's kind of chill out a bit <laughs> let let the market settle and then make some money a bit safer that actually kind of shows a lot about their strategy now yeah it's interesting you start to get a read on them when when you're just hanging out with them a regular day tangs on his phone constantly reeling out what's happening in the world, what's happening in news. And that's just, that's a reflection just on his daily operations in the trade. You know, they're, they're taking in a lot of information, a lot of geopolitical activity, and they're, they're setting things up or staying away from things. Um, but it, it's pretty cool. It's almost like he's a real time news feed next to you with all, all the, the cool geopolitical information that I'd personally love to hear about. Cause I think it's interesting stuff. So, you know, big thanks to Brian and Tang second episode. They've come on. I wouldn't know anything about forex trading without these guys. And on top of that, they're making us a lot of money in the the accounts that we have managed with them. And it's um, it's been a great experience overall. Well, let's talk about it. Do, do you have your dashboard open? I always have my dashboard open. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So uh, when did you start investing with them? Uh, it's been almost three years. It's been the first week of – oh, sorry, April 2015. So – what is that? That's um, about two and a half. Yeah, about two, two, maybe two, two years, eight months, something like that. What's crazy? So I just locked my account, and it looks like I started June six, two thousand sixteen, which is less than a year ago. But it feels like we've been doing this podcast for two or three years now. Yeah, well, absolutely, man. Especially when you break it down weekly and think about every episode that we've done each week and what we've learned. It uh, it really spreads out one year, twelve months, right? Yeah, like it's almost insane to think about how much has happened, how many different investments I've gone into 
in the last 315 days. I mean, and that was basically the first guest we had on the first alternative investment, you know, besides our intro stories that were, that were episodes one and two. And I think at, at that point I had, you know, Pure Street. No, I didn't even have Pure Street yet. That was before that. I, all I had was Lending Club and I had some Vanguard funds and that's it. Yeah. And I was shocked and excited to see that you jumped into this one after the episode. But I think sitting down with Brian and meeting him and seeing his, you know, seeing how he operates personally in person, I think it, it goes a long, you know, a long way to build faith and trust. Yeah. I remember the, in that episode, if you guys haven't heard it, definitely worth a lesson uh a listen it's probably one of our most entertaining it's definitely one of our most entertaining episodes uh and a lot of information in there but basically to summarize the reason why i decided to invest with them was because i wanted to invest in brian and tang well mostly brian because um because i i hadn't met tang but just his work ethic him you know glued to the news 24 7 the amount of monitors he had open at any time I figured how like how else would I be able to 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 hire somebody that's working 100 hours a week trying to make me money like it's it, it that would be a star employee and by me investing their fund it's basically like they are working for me or they're working for to help grow my money yeah and again this this what's happening right now in and we talked about in the episode like how how we've talked about this on a lot of episodes how Trading has changed in 20 years. We used to have to make phone calls and send in faxes. And now you can not only do things easily by yourself, but you can also get access to some of the best people in the business and basically just invest in them and invest in their trades. we got an episode coming on next week I'm super excited about that. You can follow – you basically invest in a fund of one of the world's best sports bettors. And all of this stuff is happening democratization of, of so many different industries and so many different types of investments. And I hope everyone's getting value out of this stuff because every single week I'm just blown away by some of the new opportunities that people have and do invest. We've just started scratching the surface on what's becoming available. And we have some great episodes lined up as well. I'm really excited about. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. And as far as, you know, um, investing in FX or investing in something else that's very volatile, like cryptocurrency, I really like what Brian said, where, it's you know it's a good thing to have one kind of volatile thing that you're invested in because you you have the higher risk high reward, but it's probably not a good idea to have too many volatile things. So at, at least for me personally, and what I would probably recommend to most people is to have you know something that's kind of fun and that has that you know high high um, reward opportunity, but not have more than let's say five or ten percent of your total net worth in there just in case. And that, that's what yeah. I'm doing, at least. So in total, I've now made a 39.86% gain in my account, and I'm glad I invested in them, even even with the the risk, you know, the risk because the reward was definitely there. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm up 69.36% uh, on two and a half years, and learned a ton, made some great friends out of it, and. Uh, you know, one of the, the early alternative asset classes that really opened our eyes to what's available out there. So overall, great experience. Thanks to Brian and Tang for coming on the show again and um, continuing to be people on the inside that are help us to learn niche investing. I love it. And big thanks to everyone who's been leaving these great reviews of the podcast. You guys are the reason why we continue to grow and reach more more people just like you. So if you haven't yet, please go to iTunes uh, on your computer or on your phone and leave us a review. And big thanks to our sponsor, FreshBooks. If you guys want to collect your invoices and actually make sure you get paid or do your cloud accounting, go to freshbooks.com slash invest. Thanks again. See all you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.